Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. I am David Levake, joined by Jim Paulson. Good morning, Jim. How are you on this Wednesday? I'm doing well, David. How you doing? I'd complain, but who'd listen? <laughs> <laughs> no, things are fine. I want to jump right in. We've got a really, a, a, I really liked the idea, the story about uh, an outstate standout, and uh, why don't you take it from there as far as introducing this young man and and what uh, what the story that you wrote about him contains. Well, you're talking about Koi Perich, the ESCO super athlete. Uh, it's hard to say introducing him because he's already committed to the University of Minnesota. I think he did last spring, and uh, he just gets an awful lot of followers already. People are excited about him going to the University of Minnesota because he's such a terrific athlete. I mean, you know, he runs a four five forty, and he can bench three hundred and thirty pounds. He's got a forty inch vertical, uh, runs a ten eight nine hundred. Is a track star that didn't compete last year because he had a hamstring injury, but he was ranked pretty highly in the state. And this kid is a, the type of athlete that everyone wants to stay home and play in Minnesota. And right now he's going to. He's made that commitment, uh, a verbal commitment. Nobody can sign any um, NL, NL, uh, national letters of intent at this point, but he's made that ver- verbal commitment. The problem is, is that other teams and other schools are still reaching out to him. He just recently got a, an offer from USC. Um, who is trying to replenish their defensive backfield, and Michigan and Washington, and he confirmed Wisconsin, other D1 programs, you know, are, are still reaching out to him. And he said, "I'm firm. He's firm, staying with Minnesota, but he's going to listen. He listens to anything anybody has to offer. And I think the way college uh, athletics is right now with NLIs and money, and uh, the, I think people are nervous that this kid is never going to see the light of day and never going to see the light of day in a maroon and gold. And that would be too bad because." He's the type of kid you want to see stay home. He's a terrific athlete. He's got extreme confidence, just oozing out of every pore. He can, he can hit you. He can make great defensive plays. He can be a great defensive back or a safety or a linebacker. Uh, he carries the ball. He breaks tackles. He runs around people. He runs through people. He runs away from people. Um, he can make anything happen on the field. Like I always say, he can take a nothing run and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile. Um, which is a takeoff on the old Mary Tyler Moore song. Um, I, I, I was went- elsewhere because he's the type of kid you want. They're not, not it's hard for, um, but we want to be. I see him in the uh, his first year as a freshman. What was he had gotten two of uh, in wow. the nation in terms of freaky he had wowed by what he can do. Although right now I think it's three A and it could be number one. So it'd be fun to watch him. Yeah, I, I have selfish interest. <laughs> I want to see him come down and play in the in the. Vikings stadium for the state semifinals and and maybe the finals too. He's because as you mentioned, Esco's six and zero. Oh, they got a good thing going, and maybe that's uh, something that we'll we'll get to see. That'd be fun. There's a great showcase for for a guy of that caliber for every, a lot of Metro people to get to see him and, and see what he can bring. You know, the thing that was interesting that he told me about why he went to Minnesota is that his goal in life is to be an NFL player, and he said the last three safeties the Gophers have had, have played in the NFL, including Antoine Winfield Jr. And uh, when have you ever heard somebody say, I want to go to the University of Minnesota because they're a factory for the NFL? Well, you know, here's one kid that has seen that. Um, I'd have to go back in and check all the numbers and see all the safeties. Uh, but if that's the impression that he's got, that Minnesota is a place to go, and you can make your way from the U of M to the NFL, that's a good sign for Gophers fans that – it would be attractive to uh, high school recruits. Now, there's always the 
NLI issue and the money issue and the transfer portal, um, which people wring their hands about constantly. But um, that's a good thing. It's good to see that there's a, a number of people out there that look at you and say, hey, this is a place that cannot, I not only want to play and I not only want to represent my home state, but it can help me in my future and where I want to be. Well, you know, so let's hope he doesn't go too far back in the history books because now he's offered by USC. They've had some pretty damn good safeties as well in their time. And pretty dang good at everything, I think. There's, there's, yeah. You can find good USC players. But, uh, again, you know, it's maybe USC isn't for him. I don't know. He says it's kind of cool to get these big-name college programs. Absolutely. Talking to him up in Esco, Minnesota. So uh, I think that's always been the issue with Minnesota kids. Gives them a chance to get out of their, their – upper Midwest life and see how the other half lives. Many end up matriculating back to Minnesota and uh, playing football here. But uh, let's hope that uh, Koi just sticks it out. Actually, his name is Koi, K-O-I, and it's McCoy, M-A-K-O-I is his full name. He goes by Koi. I huh. asked him what the uh, origin was. I was yeah. thinking there might be some sort of Hawaiian yeah, yeah. reference. And he said, no, his, his brother's name is Mason. He actually plays football for uh, Mankato, uh, Minnesota State Mankato. But his parents just wanted a uh, an M name, and they went with McCoy. So it's not as ethnic as you'd think. Does, but, uh, does it mean anything? <clears throat> does it have any meaning? He, he, did say, he didn't say it did. It's just um, a name that he, his parents liked. I like it. And it was unique. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Sounds good, and it sounds like he's a unique talent, so that fits. Um, yeah, incredible talent. There's only one player in the state that I've seen that has the same sort of explosiveness and ability to rise above everybody around him like Parrish does, and that's Maxwell Woods at uh, Chen Hassan, who has the ability. I saw him a couple weeks ago against uh, Mankato West where he was easily the best player on the field on both sides of the ball, and there were some very, very good football players on that field. So um, we, it's good to know that in the state of Minnesota right now, two seniors, are two very good seniors that are the equivalent of some of the top players you see anywhere in the country. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of you know Maxwell Woods probably looking like a shoe in for our Metro Player of the Year, but then maybe Coy gets the Mister Football. Maybe that's the way to, to, to divide and conquer those those prestigious postseason awards. And uh, our uh, writer Chip Scoggins did a, a short profile on Maxwell Woods in his football across Minnesota column this week, and the one thing that he stressed about Maxwell Woods that I remember speaking to people at Chan Hassan about is that the kid is a better kid than as an athlete. And that's hard to do when he's such a great athlete. He's respectful and works hard and humble and knows what his role is and knows how good he is, but doesn't you know, lean on it too much. He knows where he's, he's a team player. He's just an absolutely terrific young man who deserves everything he gets at Chan Hassan. Now, I hope I didn't jinx him, but keep my fingers crossed. Just stay healthy for the rest of the year. That's all we ask. That's right. That's right. Well, very good. Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming games this week in football because there's there's it's not the uh, usual cast of characters as far as the household big school names. We're, we're, this is these are the deep cuts that we're going with. These are the album tracks. And what what are you know? Talk, tell me a little bit about what you see with, uh, for example, in three A, uh, Saint Croix Lutheran. They're going to Saint Agnes. That's a, a battle of uh, we got three and three St. Croix Lutheran and then St. Agnes undefeated still in, in, in six and oh. And what, uh, what how are you seeing that matchup? You know, I love these weeks because it's really easy to get caught up in all the top teams around the Metro. And because you know, you kind of have to report on them. They're the good teams. 
they get the uh, the uh, lion's share of the attention. And so you have to report on them. But it's nice to have an opportunity to cover teams that don't get covered as often, like a St. Agnes and a St. Croix Lutheran, like you did last week when you covered Bloomington Jefferson and Robbinsdale Cooper. So it's nice to get a chance to cover these teams. St. Agnes and St. Croix Lutheran, private school teams, private uh, parochial school teams. But these are tough, hard-nosed football teams. I know St. Agnes is very proud of their their um, down-and-dirty, kind of gritty mentality and how they go about things. You know, They run the ball hard. They tackle hard. No, nobody's scoring much in, on them at all. Um, they play tough, hard-nosed football. Um, and St. Croix Lutheran has always been a football uh, powerhouse for so many years. And they've gone up and down in recent years. But it'll be a good, good matchup at um, Seafoam Stadium. In St. Paul. In case you don't know where Seafoam Stadium is, Dave, let people know what Seafoam Stadium is. Well, it's uh, right, right off of the Concordia University campus in St. Paul. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't even know the exact cross street. It's the frontage road on the south side of 94. Hamlin, uh, I think that is. Okay, yeah. So, the uh, yeah, that's where, that's where they play. I have not been to that stadium. I've seen it when I've been on the highway and, and looked up at it, so it'll be fun to, to be in the press box and checking it out on Friday. And this makes what for you? I know that you've kept a list over the years of uh, how many different stadiums and uh, fields you've covered games at. Where does this make it for you when you go to Seafoam? Well, we're going to be in the high 70s, and I'll have to get back to you with the exact number, but it's in the high 70s. And it's getting to we're kind of running out of options for the Metro, so... Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's up there. You know, and some of these I hear some of these stadiums are actually replacing press boxes. I was at Forest Lake on uh, Friday night, and their press box is wonderful. It's yes. heated. It's got you know office padded office chairs. The the uh, counter where you set your uh, computer or your laptop when you're covering a game is low enough that it doesn't obscure your view of the field. And the uh, uh, windows in front are angled outwardly, so you kind of get a, a great view of the entire place, and it's just a, a terrific place to be. Anybody that's building a new press box, go to Forest Lake, see what they've done, and I highly recommend you do what they do. I know that Minnetonka, I believe, it was reporting replacing their press box in the off season. So, Ted Schultz, athletic director, go to Forest Lake, take a look at what <laughs> they've got. That's my recommendation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good one for sure. Um, moving on, we've got. Uh, well, actually, I don't. Well, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, Two Rivers Warriors. At St. Paul Central, yes, Two Rivers is Henry Sibley, for those that, that uh, don't recognize that name. Uh, but that's a good, good, good matchup between five and one teams. And um, what, uh, what, do you, what do you like about what you're seeing in that matchup? First thing about Two Rivers for Wisconsinites, and I don't know how much we should care, but there is a Two Rivers High School in Wisconsin that's also a, a football powerhouse. I think they're in the, uh, the Green Bay area. Um, and uh, so don't get this two rivers confused with that two rivers. But uh, this two rivers is, I think, having their, their best season in a decade um, since they were Henry Sibley, which is only a few years ago. I think uh, they've got I've, – I've talked about them for all season and put them on Metro Dream Team. Max Mogelson, the uh, interior lineman who is a, a strong, tough football player and kind of guy with a terrific motor. I think he's going to play at Nevada, Las Vegas. Um, is name that first comes to mind, but they've got some talent up and down the lineup. They've got a, a good quarterback, a running back named I think Ramsey Rizlov, who's a, a nice player, and uh, I, I see this being nice for uh, um, Two Rivers to have something. I know that there's a lot of people in the area that 
weren't happy about the name change because they went to school there. But um, I think it's good to see two two rivers getting some love here. And I'm mistaken because I thought we'd have nothing but deep cu- deep cuts. But I forget you've got Tatino Grace at Orono. Those are well known programs, the successful programs this year. Tatino Grace five and one, Orono six and zero. Oh. That's a that's a really good matchup. And that is, but in terms of deep cuts, it's Class Four A, so you could take that angle. But uh, yeah, Tatino Grace is back and prominent in high school football again, and seems like all is right in the world when Grace is good. Um, and Orono has just been terrific all season long. They're ranked number two in Class 4A, and I think that they haven't had a real close game all year long. I think going back over their numbers, I think 6-0, and an average score of like 45-16 to 16 or something like that, their closest game has been 19 points and a number of 30-point victories. So Orono has been doing absolutely what they've had to do. They've won, and they've won handily. This will be their toughest game against Tino Grace, which plays uh, uh, another tough type of defense. Their only loss was to uh, hard-nosed Hutchinson that runs and runs and then runs some more. They're <laughs> like a, a truck that runs, then backs up over you and runs over you again. <laughs> but um, this should be a great, great football game at Orono. And you've covered games at Orono. The press box looks directly west. Sometimes yeah. it can look right into the sun at first, but it's very pretty. There's a lake in the background. It's a it's a really cool place for a game. Well, we're coming up on mid October, so you shouldn't be impaired by the sun too terribly long. No, it should be. It should go away quickly. Yeah. So, very good. Um, what uh, moving from American football to the uh, football, the world game, soccer playoff season is upon the us. Beautiful game. The beautiful game is the playoff season is upon us. And I wrote a little uh, preview of the of the sections that appeared online uh, just the other day. I think uh, Monday <clears throat> or Tuesday. I forget my days get mixed up now. But uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the you know information is there on, on StarTribune.com. Uh, a couple of I, I just I could have put it in a five things to know sort of uh, approach to it, um, and, and it's all there for you. And I actually had a little fun with a couple of leftovers that didn't quite fit into those first five things. I put those under the heading stoppage time. You know, these are the these are the notes that come after the regular you know, regulations done, and and when the referee, you know, the, when they say in uh, the the professional level, the third official has decided to put X number of minutes on the clock, and and nobody knows when the time is up until that official, which is you know kind of a purely a soccer thing. Which they don't do stoppage <clears throat> time in high school. They do not. They so. do not. So yeah, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't fit exactly, but you know, you just got you just got to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which has always been, uh, you know, as a, as an American growing up, not being a, a soccer aficionado, and you see things. To me, that's always been the one thing that I always thought was so odd that, at in this day and age, um, when technology is so available, that I know that stoppage time was largely used in the past because they didn't have the ability for actual on-field uh, um, timekeeping, that uh, it was hit by officials on the field, and nowadays. I don't know that there's much um, high-level soccer and any or soccer at any level that there isn't an on-field timekeeper. It seems to me that that's an antiquated soccer um, uh, tradition that needs to go away. Stoppage time is just too subjective. You hard it's hard to know how why you're going to have more time left over. And so many times, if you've watched soccer, you say it's past the four minutes of stoppage time. And they wait for something to happen where a guy gets one last corner kick right. or one last rush. And then when, if it's not successful, then they blow the whistle. It's just, right. it's just too subjective. A little arbitrary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, one of the things that stands out to me, and it's it's nothing, uh, you know, talk about the, the favorites, Edina girls, worth mentioning. Yes, they've been in the state tournament the last couple of years. Yes, they've had tremendous players and, and good success, but they've found a way to actually be extra special here so far. They're they're sixteen and zero going into the playoffs, and they're led Can't by do better than that. Yeah, and they're led by Izzy Engel, a, a senior midfielder. She's got thirty goals, and you know we talk about Maxwell Woods as the the prohibitive favorite for Metro Player of the Year in football. I, I think Izzy might be that person in girls soccer. The ballots have gone out to the coaches in the metro area. We'll wait to see what feedback looks like from them. Uh, but I but I know that they they wouldn't trade her at Edina for anything, for sure. And Edina has been traditionally a soccer a strong girls' soccer program for a long time. Well, so. yeah, and they broke through recently. They were getting – they had tripped up a lot of times by Minnetonka, but now they're the ones that are, are carrying the favorite. And Minnetonka's still a solid team. They're, they're, you know, the second seed in the section, and they're 13-3, and three, so they're no slouch. And it's soccer. It's a game with a goalie. There, funny things can happen in you know low, low scoring sort of a sport. So we'll you know on the wrong night, uh, somebody can not have it, and someone else can step up and get a bounce, and and there you are. So we'll uh, we'll see here as, as this uh, week rolls on, and, and we start to narrow whittle that the teams down to the state tournament quarterfinals, and and then beyond that at the Vikings uh, Viking Stadium. So who was uh, so. Is it Dinah got the number one ranking in uh, the largest class? Yes, I do. Who is the uh, who are, are the challengers? You mentioned Minnetonka. Who else could uh, step up in uh, girls soccer this year? Uh, I just closed that window, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I thought maybe you'd just be off the top of your head because you're so well versed in what's going on in the world of high well, school soccer. Yeah, this this fall has been a bit of a challenge for that, which I, I told the coaches when I put out the information about about wanting to st- still try to come up with the best list we can of postseason awards because it's just been a challenging fall. Uh, but, you know, the, the Edina, Minnetonka, Wyzetta is tremendous. You know, they got to state last year, and they got bounced in the quarterfinals. They got upset by Moundsview, but they're they're right there. I mean, they were undefeated going into play Edina, in the, uh, I think it, was, it may have been the regular season finale. It was very close to that, and so they're still going to be tough. And uh, you know, maybe that loss to Edina was a palate cleanser, and they're going to be ready to go. And they're uh, the the Trojans boys. They were they're the defending champs, so they're they're going to be back and tough. And they're the top seed in their section. So those are those are the the some of the favorites in uh, in soccer as as I look at the field. Now, soccer. Explain something you may not know. How many classes of soccer do we have right now? We have three now. We have three classes of soccer. So do you have any idea who the uh, the best teams in uh, in Class 2A? In girls, it looks like Benilde is still undefeated, um, and then Holy Angels. And then in Class 1A, um, Providence Academy and Southwest Christian, and Minnehaha Academy at the top of Class 1A. Isn't it interesting that the, the top two teams in 2A and the top three teams in 1A are all private schools? It's just, just crazy how it just attracts good soccer players. How about in the good boys' side of things? Who are we looking at? The uh, Washburn, I know, has been pretty good. Yeah, Wash. Yeah, that's going to be a. I think that's Section Six with Wayzata. Unfortunately, only one of those teams will be able to advance. But yeah, Washburn's been been very good, and uh, <clears throat> Maple Grove looks like they've been pretty good. Yep. You know, and uh, a lot of the, the same teams. I love it. One of Minneapolis school, an inner city school, is good in these things. I love because Minneapolis schools tend to not be able to compete in sports like football and hockey and a lot of these sports, baseball. 
but they can be good in basketball and they can be good in soccer, and that's great for city athletics. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 the field more or less, and uh, looking forward to seeing how these things play out. And we'll have the coverage at StarTribune.com, and we'll be back next week to uh, to get caught up on. It's going to be we're talking going to be talking MEA football already next week, Wednesday's game. So, appreciate you sticking with us, and there's more to come. Thanks a lot.